When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody, it's me, your woolly wizard, Jake. And it's your bristling bruiser, Holden McNeely. And we are so excited to announce Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser live in Los Angeles, California. Wednesday, December 11th, 2019 at the Regent Theater. Tickets are only $22. And where can they get them, Jake? Type in your little web bar. Go to lastpodcastnetwork.com slash p7live. That's lastpodcastnetwork.com slash p7live. We'll see you there, folks. Or else I'll cry. Yeah, he'll cry. I just don't even. Molly, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this episode. All I know is that I got really, really horny when FP punched Hiram in the face. And I know for sure that I think it's a bullshit episode. It's a very Riverdale Thanksgiving, Jackie. What's wrong with you? (laughs) It is. It's a very Riverdale Thanksgiving. The Thanksgiving couldn't be any more Riverdale. And uh, except for the fact that I would also definitely watch the tape of FP and Alice and Hiram and Hermione having a lot of sex together in Le Bon Nui. Because in my head... When they, I know we'll get to this, but when they went downstairs to that speakeasy owned by their teenager, I thought they were all going to get drunk and fuck <laughs> each other. And that's what I was hoping for. I was like really, really pushing for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know you didn't like this episode, but I got to go ahead and say it had everything. Lots of sex between Betty and Jughead. Mm. Lots of sex, implied sex between uh, FP and Alice. Oh my God, when he starts kissing on her and it's just, oh my, you're right, girl. Mm-hmm. Fuck full Thanksgiving. It had a broken <gasps> bottle in Hiram's face. <laughs> I think if we, I think that the problem is we need to, as everything with Riverdale, we need to jettison Archie out to the sea. Yes. And if you take Archie's <laughs> entire plot line away, <laughs> then you have a halfway decent television show. You know what? I think you're right. I think that this is the first episode in a while that I allowed Archie's plot line to destroy how I felt about everything else. Because technically, if you think about it, possible cannibalism. You know, with dead corpses. Yeah. We've got really sexy people having sex and then almost getting into a fight. And then in my brain, they go and have more sex because they almost got into a fight. We got Betty and Jughead in some sort of murder mystery, which also we were right about with the, uh, uh, what is it, Quill and Skull? 
Yeah, Dang. you were so right. You totally called that. I mean, technically that was Jeff, but Jeff isn't on the show, so he can't speak for himself. <laughs> he can't speak for himself. But if anyone asks, yes, it, he did it. He said it first. Uh, but we did call that, so that is fun. Yes, and the thing that we need to perhaps keep from Archie's plotline is that the ghost of Luke Perry, it's not going to be Fred Andrews, it's the ghost of Luke Perry, made the turkey fryer explode to get them out of a hostage situation, which, when you say it that way, is pretty good. You know, it's just that everything else that Archie does needs to be stopped. But the ghost of Luke Perry exploding a turkey fryer to end a hostage situation is, that's pretty Riverdale. And I did love that they put, they did a lot of big ups to Luke Perry this episode, gave him a lot of thanks, opened it up with Archie at the fucking grave site. And now don't worry guys, the I, I'm going to assume going to be destroyed community center by the mayor is now dedicated to his dead father. So that's really nice. I can't believe he didn't think of that earlier. Call it the fucking Fred Andrews Community Center. What's wrong with you, Archie? He's like, oh, this is what my dad would want. So of course it's what your dad would want. I guess. I guess. Let's just talk about Archie. Let's get out of the fucking way. <laughs> Let's do it. We never, the thing that he keeps being like, this is what dad would want. We never saw Fred Andrews do any like philanthropy in his life. I get that he was like a good guy, but that's not the same thing as being like a community organizer. He wasn't a community organizer. He was like a nice dad. No, but he did allow the serpents to come in when they were on the run from something. Remember when they all came in and like ate sandwiches? <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and he did fix up a car with his son. I do remember that. I think he was just a good family man. I don't wouldn't necessarily say he was a king of the community. He wouldn't even become mayor. Yeah. If we recall. He was just trying to mind his own business. Yeah. He was like a classic, like, I feel like a suburban, the model of what a suburban father is supposed to be, which is like, I'm just trying to take care of my boy. You know, like he didn't really care about the random excessive amount of orphans in Riverdale. So many orphans. <laughs> there, every season has a plot line that revolves around just... Dozens and dozens of orphaned children. Was there a war or something that happened only in Riverdale? <laughs> remember, like, remember last year when all of those orphans were being kept in the in the like in halfway the house in the woods by oh, the nuns? Yes, well, right there was there was a couple of different orphans. There was the orphans in the halfway house with the nuns, and then there was also like the lost boys who lived in the woods with Ethel. Remember, the lost boys. Oh my God, I forgot. With what's his name, Dingle Dumbleberry. <laughs> Or <laughs> and if, if I, I would give it more respect to Riverdale if they just kept the same orphans from year to year. So like, many orphans. Oh, we still have these 30 boys who live in the woods last year. And now these 30 boys like live at the community center. But instead, every year, there's just 30 new boys who need to be taken care of. Oh, and when they did. Oh, let's talk about Archie. All right. So last week, because Archie's a fucking idiot he went to Hiram to fix his Dodger problem so what that means of course via Hiram is that why don't we beat up this guy who apparently is supposed to be the teen's age I, 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 right who's young enough to have a mom who is uh, not in her 70s which is what I would have assumed Dodger's mother would be Based on how old he seems. Based on how old he is. So he was beaten into a coma and left in front of the community center. We open up. Dodger is in a coma in the hospital. And now his mom and his two brothers, because I thought that was his wife, not his mother. And <laughs> I, not to say anything against a woman, because the woman is beautiful. But, but like they have, they're doing this whole like 
Hick thing, I guess. Also, did you notice that their yeah. last name is Dickinson? So I, I know get- that was cute. <laughs> fucking Riverdale. I love Riverdale. And so now they're going after Archie because they think the guy at the community center did it. The child that runs the community center obviously had done this. Now, of course, Archie's not going to tell them that it wasn't him, that it was Hiram Lodge that did it, which I don't know why he didn't just immediately give up his name. Yeah, right. Out of some sort of sense of fucking nobility that Archie is just absolutely paralyzed with. Which, meanwhile, Hiram, who is now, by the way, Mr. Mayor, because in one sentence, even though an entire season wrapped around his wife trying to become the mayor, he became mayor because he ran unattested. Is that because Fred Andrews isn't around anymore? I don't know. Yeah, they really, I love that Jughead's monologues uh, just just provide sweeping Ex- plot Ex- updates. updates. <laughs> <laughs> this week especially made almost no sense of where I was like, but what? What? Okay. Okay. What? <laughs> every I think like every third sentence he said, I was like, like when they were just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. DuPont was like an alcoholic and, uh, and you know, like they never left a suicide note and there's no investigation. But, what, what, but you, you, but can we have a conversation about this for a second? Yeah. I also love that the people in charge of investigating uh, Mr. Chipping's death uh, are apparently the five teens in his creative writing seminar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they just... But also, again, (laughs) extensive therapy these teenagers would have to go through. They watch their... But where is the body, Molly? We didn't see the body. (laughs) We didn't go to a funeral. And in Riverdale speak... You don't see a body, that motherfucker ain't dead. Yeah, even if you see a hand, that motherfucker ain't dead. Motherfucker ain't dead. So I I don't know. I mean, we'll get to that. We have to keep talking about dumb fuck Archie. <laughs> so Archie's going to have, he's going to put on a Thanksgiving for all the orphans, the many multitudes of orphans in Riverdale, because they are underneath, an, they're going through an ice storm right now. And then he's like, we're going to keep it open all night long. But also... He's frying a turkey inside. You're making one turkey for how many orphans? One turkey. And I uh, I mean, thank God Mary Andrews said it because it's kind of like a Chekhov gun situation. I was like, obviously the turkey fryer is going to explode. Yes. Like, you can't introduce a turkey fryer and not have an explosion. And so the fact that that came true at a very opportune moment when they were all being held hostage by Dodger's family, that was... It you know I kind of enjoyed it only because again you can't have a turkey fryer without an explosion. But then I did like at the end when Mary Andrews was like, "Who fries a turkey indoors?" It was like the most rational thing that's ever been said on Riverdale. I was ready for the ba da ba ba da ba ba after she said it. You know, like I was like, "Is this horsing around?" I and what I love about the Dickinsons is that when they go to intimidate Archie. They just lounge around at a table staring at orphans because they were going to eat first. Is that or were they, was it just an intimidation factor? No, I think that that was already a hostage situation, wasn't it? I think or no, maybe not because then they took the gun out. But it seemed like it seemed like they they were just sitting and having a a hostage situation for a pretty long time. Yeah, very weird, very uncomfortable. I do like the, of course, always another entrance of a weirdly diabolical female character. I think it's great. I do love that Riverdale is constantly bringing in other 
evil women, and I think that's fun. And I love watching, because eventually, rumble, 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 Mary Andrews gets the gun, and because she knows the letter of the law, which I thought about Gideon watching her doing this, and I laughed. I don't know if Gideon watched this episode with you, where she was like, I know, I don't even remember what she said, but it's like, you are on my property. She was like, I have a right to defend myself (laughs) against deadly force. You don't have to say this to the person that you're about to shoot. Like, you don't have to do this. Yeah. But also, Veronica for the win with putting that fork through that dude's hand. It's difficult to do that. Yeah, I that was a good thing that Veronica did. She definitely impaled a guy's hand with a turkey fork and got to say, one of the more interesting things she's ever done. Really? Between that and then setting the man on fire in her own speakeasy oh, that yeah. she runs. I think those go hand in hand. She's having a good season. Hand in hand? You get it with the... Fork in his hand. Uh, they don't kill them. The Dickinsons run away. And uh, of course, they're going to come back. If you had the right to shoot them because they were uh, going against you, shouldn't she have just done it then? And then plot's done, right? Wow. Just a real, you're in favor of just a, a summary execution? Off of them. Uh, you know what? In the, in the terms of Riverdale, yes. Because they're going to come back with more orphans. That's what they do. Orphans are an endless supply in Riverdale. They're just going to go get more, and they're going to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Archie's, Archie's troubles with this fucking guy who nobody cares about seem to be just getting worse and worse. And now his family that nobody cares about. And, you know, I just it just hit me when you were describing Dodger's mom. At first I was like, is that Penny Peabody? And it's not her. I thought for half a second. Okay, good. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. And then as you described it, they have a lot of like, Badass, dangerous, badass isn't even the right word. Just like dangerous, kind of like uh, insane women. But I'll bet that somebody who's not me, who's in college or grad school, could write an interesting thesis about like coding like white trashness, quote unquote, and women in Riverdale. Because every bad woman is like a poor white woman, you know? And they're all like rough, you know? And there's like this interesting thing with class going on in Riverdale of course there always has been with Cheryl and Veronica and then like Jughead but like there's something about like women in their 40s who are poor and white who come in and they're like ooh that's the scariest woman of them all but then there is the opposite end of that you have your Penelope Blossoms which are the rich evil women that Mm. get away with everything so really isn't it just like life? Isn't it just like, well, she's got the money. They just keep disappearing because right now we don't know where Penelope Blossom is. Obviously, she's going to come back at some point because she's not dead. But she is definitely someone that is, that there's lots of proof that she's murdered. And she ran that brothel that was definitely like putting drugs through the brothel. So no one's going after her. No one's talking about her. No one's, literally no one's talking about her. Cheryl and TT, again, both children, uh, seem to be in the custody of the officially definitely senile um, Grandma Blossom, uh, who tells a wonderful story at Thanksgiving dinner about something that happened on an ice storm, much like tonight. It was interesting. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. So we got it. So remember last episode, Uncle Bedford, TT hit in the head while he was trying to attack Cheryl. And what, what, they killed him. 
I didn't know that they killed him. I thought the, the, he was just passed out in the chapel. You had said he's just passed out, and I was like, no, he's dead. He did. You were right. You were very right. I did not know. And so now they got to get rid of Auntie Cricket and also Cousin Fester, <laughs> which... <laughs> Who also, again, I don't think had a, had a line. <laughs> so how much is this child getting paid to be in this show? Because we all know if you don't speak in a television show, you get paid drastically less than anyone that speaks in a television show. <laughs> Poor kid. They've, you've got the money, Riverdale. That's not fair. All right. <laughs> and they could be in the whole scene about listening to the cannibalism story, but don't pay him. Speaking rate. No speaking rate because he just kept going like, like with his face. He was making great face acting. I will give it to him. Great, great face acting. So they bring them in because they have to get rid of them forever. And so Nana Rose tells a whole story of cannibalism, essentially like a Donner Party esque story of the blossoms, while they are quoted to get them to scare. Auntie Cricket and Cousin Fester away, thinking that they were eating their father in the lamb pies that they served for Thanksgiving. You don't serve lamb pies for Thanksgiving. But I guess some people do. I understand. Like a lamb roast or something. But I thought it was an interesting choice, Cheryl. Cheryl? (laughs) And I guess they made the lamb pies themselves. But do you think that the corpse was actually in it? No, I don't think so. And I think at the end they told, I think Cheryl was like, oh, I'm glad we served them those pies that were actually lamb or something. They had like an obnoxiously like uh, expository clarifying line. I just, and she said, like, they keep talking about the salmon's going to gobble up his eyes in the Riverdale River. But we didn't watch it happen. And I'm just like, I am curious of like, is it going to be down the line that like T.T. finds out she did chop him up and use him in the pies? You know, because you never know. That's true. You never know. You never know. You never know. And we didn't hear Especially them. Especially with Cheryl. We didn't. We did hear Cheryl say, let's go throw him in the Sweetwater River before the ice storm. But we didn't see it happen. So you're right. If you don't see what happens to the body. You never know. You never know. That's what I think one of my favorite things about Riverdale is uh, it, they really leave the loose ends open for a reason. Sometimes for a reason. Sometimes not for a reason. Which keeps us on our toes, which is why we love Riverdale. And I just want to say, if someone in my family is threatening me out of the Zabrowski millions we obviously have, <laughs> and by saying that they're eating my father, and then showing me a picture of or not a picture, of rolling a corpse into the room as a way to be like, we're scaring them away. Would you not call the police? Yeah, that was an interesting choice. I think that everything that's happened with Jason corpse, Jason's corpse this season has been interesting because it went from being like a highly taboo secret thing that Cheryl, uh, you know, had to hide away even from TT to then TT finding out about the corpse and being like, I guess I'm cool with this. I love you, Cheryl. And then they still tell each other they love each other for the first time in this episode, despite the fact that the corpse is still a big part of Cheryl's life. And then right now they're just openly flaunting the corpse as a kind of intimidation tactic. As an intimidation tactic. I think that I would have been intimidated the second I walked into a Thanksgiving dinner and the doll had a placing and also had food in front of it. I think that's where I would have stopped. I wouldn't have gone through the whole meal to eat my own husband and then see the dead corpse. 
there was a doll at the table who was also being served Thanksgiving dinner. That's where <laughs> I end it. <laughs> not if you're trying to get did your you hands. That? Not yes, I did, but not if you're trying to get your hands on the you know blossom uh, maple empire. It's, because we haven't even found out. I guess that that shows that Uncle Bedford is the blossom, right? And Aunt Cricket is not. I guess, but it's. Un- I feel like we've heard conflicting stories about the 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 the, the economic status of the maple business because. Aunt Cricket was like, it's hemorrhaging money. We want to buy you out. And then in this episode, Cheryl was like, she'll get our hand, her hands on our fortune over my dead body. So what is it? Is it that the Blossoms are out of money or not? Because I feel like that's an important part of all of this. I think it's a huge part of it. And I don't think that we're going to know. All we know is that for some reason, they still have lots of money, even though the family has gone through public public problems i.e um her father hanging himself in one of the maple warehouses and i think everyone knew about that definitely i think they were all together when they found him i've watched enough succession (laughs) yeah they were all yes and so everyone knows and i've again if i've watched i've been watching enough succession i know this can ruin a business yeah. And I know everything about business now because of Succession, all right? Yeah, that's how I feel after I watch Succession. I'm like, uh, everybody knows that the the value of the company rests on the <laughs> The laurels of the family's ethics. The- <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's, uh, Succession I think is ruining my brain, but not Riverdale. So that is what's happening with Cheryl and TT. They now, are, I guess, I, I don't know why I always just assumed they had said they, uh, I love you to each other because they live together, and I. That's usually, but I forget they're also teens. So who knows? Yeah. And in the end, they still zoomed in on that doll because obviously the doll, even though it wasn't the forefront of this week's plot line, is going to come back to get them. So why do you think they zoomed in on the doll? What are they telling us that the doll is actually the ghost of the dead brother, or is it something less obvious like the doll? Oh, also, we're jumping plot lines here, but. As Betty and Jughead were about to go at I it, can't even they zoom that. in on a blinking light. Are they being bugged or was that a message on an answering machine? Well, I just realized, though, too, because that made me think of when they zoomed in on the camcorder. I think it was a camcorder in okay, camcorder. Jughead and Betty's in, in Jughead's room. What if Is there going to be a sex tape? Oh my god. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> because they're over the age of 18 in real life. No, I think what if the doll is bugged? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like what if the doll is bugged by Penelope Blossom? Is there something going on with that doll? Because I'll be happy either way. Either the doll is a ghost or the doll is being uh, is a tool for evil by humans. And I can't figure out which, which it is because they're setting us up to believe it's a ghost. But that does still seem a little bit supernatural for Riverdale. Riverdale gets a little supernatural, but, but really it's about the evilness of man. Yeah, exactly. Mm, because then, and you see, now it would make sense if it was Penelope Blossom. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because Penelope is still at large, for sure. And we know she's coming back. And she wants to get rid of Cheryl. So if there is a way to get someone put away for a long time, it's using her dead brother's corpse as a plaything. I would say that's a pretty good way to get rid of Cheryl. And that was what Uncle Bedford threatened. Uncle Mm. Bedford, before T.T. killed him, was like, you're going to go away for a long time. And it does seem like that was an important thing that he said. And also, Auntie Cricket has the red hair. So I wonder if Auntie Cricket is the sister 
No, because then, but then why would she have any, uh, like, any way to have control over the maple blossom, the, like, the blossom fortune if she's a sister of yeah. Penelope Blossom? Because Penelope Blossom married in. However, wasn't Penelope Blossom actually? No, she was an adopted sister that they paired up with. Clifford Blossom. Yeah, Penelope is right? another orphan. They just stole, they just took Penelope from the orphanage and were like, be a child bride. It's like, why have we never thought to make a whole, <laughs> like, if you think about it, Riverdale is all about orphans. Yeah, every, I mean, mostly, right. All four main characters are essentially orphan as we have discussed uh but right from the beginning it's been there's been a lot of orphan plot points which i respect because no easier way to just not write a complex plot with family members than to just be like there's an orphan uh which is what they did with <laughs> penelope like remember when the the orphan child came in when um the whole uh, plot line to kill archie as what was it ricky yeah ricky what was it the red paladin that's right he was the red paladin that needed to be murdered and then ricky the orphan came in to try and stab archie to death which again really if you just stabbed him one more time <laughs> but he did you know if he didn't die which also if you notice the bear claws uh the scars are i believe completely gone now yeah they don't even try anymore the real question is is archie's trauma resolved because i know if i had been you know, survived many attempted murders and a bear mauling and uh, a prison escape. And then I was in a hostage situation, as Archie was in this episode. I would be re-triggered. You know, I would perhaps have a have a uh, you know kind of a traumatic flashback episode. But Archie just powers through, man. Can't even phase the guy. He's got to keep on moving. That song goes out <laughs> to Archie this week. That nothing is gonna break his stride. He's got a community to save, Molly. And there's no way the Dickinsons are going to come back next week. All right. So we're talking about insane Cheryl. But I got to just say, man, Cheryl's always looking so good. They are such a beautiful couple. And I'm so scared of when TT finally realizes, why did I leave my gang for this? Yeah. Because this is the problem with their relationship is TT has lost her entire self-identity. You know, where's yeah. where's TT? Yeah, because all I'm seeing is Cheryl. I'm not seeing TT anymore. I mean, to the extent that she is complacent in playing with a corpse on a regular basis. It is. It's yeah. A lot of teens get all sucked up in their partner's uh, identity in a relationship. And I think that this one has become a little codependent in the sense that TT has no home, <laughs> no friends, raises two twins with Cheryl and perhaps never actually leaves the compound. I don't think they leave the compound so let's you know let's get let's get big ups out for tt i think tt's going to uh get her act together soon but i also am sad because i like to watch them kiss but that's not just because it's good for me doesn't mean it's good for them and that's what we have to remember for thanksgiving but speaking of people who you like to watch kiss <gasps> good segue molly wait Thank which you. one phallus or or juggy uh, juggy Jug what is it bughead <laughs> Bughead. <laughs> um, so we all so again. I love. Oh my god, FP and Alice. It's just I want more kissing from them. <laughs> so Betty goes out to Jughead for Thanksgiving because for some reason he can't possibly go back to Riverdale because they're. I think they're just gonna fuck for Thanksgiving and go for them. 
Go fuck in your high school dorm room, which I don't think they would allow them to stay in there by themselves. Yeah, that's great. And I love, I don't even think we were allowed to stay in the college dorm rooms by ourselves. Maybe we were, but. No, you got kicked out for those. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, I remember staying at like other people's houses. Also, why aren't the Jones uh, Coopers having Thanksgiving dinner? They just, the FP and Alice just said, fuck the kids. I love it because they had sex instead. You know, this is what this is what a, a mother and father of two separate families banging, and the teenagers of both said families also banging. This is what Romeo and Juliet was missing. You don't realize that you don't have to have holidays anymore. Then the parents can go off and fuck, and the kids can go off and fuck, and no one has to look at each other. Except here's a question: Where the fuck is Jelly Bean? Is Jelly Bean? She's mysterious. I think that she's going out. She's probably there's no way Gina Gershon is not going to come back with some sort of hijinks with Jelly Bean because you know what? I'll never trust her. I don't trust Jelly Bean. I like Jelly Bean, but I don't trust her. Yeah, yeah. I was looking forward to having someone from the tween generation represented in the show, but she has not really been a big part of this season, other than to give Betty uh, again a, a perhaps trigger for a traumatic episode. But again, Betty played right on through. Because there was also there was no Charles this episode because they were they're all stuck in an ice storm, which I feel like was said enough, but not said enough. You know what I mean? Like the plot <laughs> lines were barely about how everyone's stuck inside because there's an ice storm, but not well, enough. You know, there's an ice storm, but everybody, all the parents drove to Pops and everyone then went to Pops. Break. Yeah. How'd they get home? I don't know how they got home. I love I mean, FP was trying to be good, but so. Betty goes to go fuck Jughead for Thanksgiving and lo and behold, what's his face and what's her name are there (laughs) with the rabbit masks and ah, he puts this fucker, Brett, puts on a, a creepy bunny mask, comes up behind Jughead with an axe and then has the audacity to be upset when Betty comes up from behind him and smashes him in the head with, I believe, a golf club and cuts the back of his head open because he's like, well, we were just like playing a joke. You had a fucking axe in your hand, motherfucker, and you don't realize how traumatized these specific teens are. They will kill you. <laughs> but don't worry, because Betty also is apparently an amateur medic. And knows how to do stitches. I My mother teaches quilting for a living and still would never stitch someone up whose head, who's bleeding from the head. I know there's an ice storm. I know apparently you can't get to the hospital. Or at least there's enough of an ice storm that the Chinese food won't deliver uh, that late on Thanksgiving, which I get. <laughs> but you can't sew up his head yourself, Betty, you insane person. But she did. She did. So I guess go for her. She did. And then they decided to play the world's fucking craziest drinking game of Never Have I Ever with a flask. And then they made up the rule that I've never heard that if you say something that nobody has done, you have to finish the flask. You kids are going to die. That is, I would have died many times. But what I love is that they use the game of Never Have I Ever to do some investigative journalism. Because as we roughly alluded to or said very quickly earlier that Mr. Chipping we gotta go back because like there's so much exposition for this plot line Mr. Chipping he was a teacher he killed himself in front of the students apparently he was an alcoholic and that it had nothing to do with the Baxter Boys series that apparently the now seminar teacher who 
Francis, right? Francis DuPont. Francis DuPont, who wrote the beginning of the Baxter Boys seasons, and then Mr. Chipping was one of the ghostwriters, and they think it all has to do with the Baxter Boys, which obviously it does. And now there's the Quill and Scroll. Quill and Skull? Quill and Skull. Gang? Yeah. Which is the secret society that is in the school. Am I saying this? I'm saying it all right, right? You're saying it all right. Yeah, the... the so, right, so there's the the pretext for why Mr. Chipping jumped face first out a window uh, is that he's an alcoholic. But he said, I'm sorry, Jughead, I couldn't help you. He's like, he's towards Jughead. So, so that's why all of this, they're trying to figure out what happened to Mr. Chipping and did it have something to do with the Baxter boys, brothers, boys? <laughs> because Jughead went to Mr. Chipping and was like, I think my grandfather FP wrote the first book and Mr. DuPont stole it from him. And Mr. Chipping then killed himself like right. a day later bad girls club so they think that he was either pressured into suicide or under someone else's spell and fair i get it because we find out about quill and skull and we know that he's a part of it because he and who else were wearing matching tie clips uh, francis dupont indifferent right it's just you know again they're investigative journalism so they want to find out there so they're putting the heat they're putting the heat on these two other youngs that know about the Quill and Skull gang. I'm going to keep calling them a gang. That's a fucking gang. <laughs> and b- through the game of Never Have I Ever by saying, Never Have I Ever been in a secret society. Yeah, good one, Jughead. And no one says anything. <laughs> <laughs> totally how fucking secret societies work, for God's sake. Uh, yeah, and also I love it when Jughead said, Never Have I Ever tried to cover up a murder, which, not true. Both of them have tried to cover up murders before. And how dare you act so aghast at other teenagers that are trying to do the same thing? Yeah, that's a very good point. Let he who has never covered up a murder cast the first stone. Put me in that fucking never have I ever. I've never tried to cover up a body. I wouldn't (laughs) get away with it. They're all very good at getting away with it. So it ends up being pinned on what's her name because... Donna, I don't know. Honestly, I think I couldn't pick her out of a lineup. I think that she is <laughs> doing a great job, but they're not giving that character much. It's just like generic mean girl that is at the that's at the school. They find the suicide teacher's pin from the Quill and Skull Gang in her room. She makes up, definitely makes up a story. Makes up that fucking story. Yeah, you know, this was this part annoyed me because she makes up a story, but of course, leave it to Riverdale to make it like a fucking Me Too story that's a lie that she like make. So she's like, he was harassing and abusing me. And of course, the whole time you're set up to be like, yeah, right. And I just wish that they hadn't done it that way. And because of rough. course, teach, teachers uh, have power manipulative abusive relationships with students all the fucking time but let Riverdale set up to be like that would never happen yeah I call bullshit which is how Betty is like yeah right this bitch is lying and of course she's right of course she is lying she says all these horrible things about the teacher and then goes to the headmaster of the school to tell him as well that like to to truly cover up everything that like oh he killed himself because he was sexually assaulting me. And you don't lie about those things. Say he killed somebody, at least. You know, it's like, if you're going to lie about something, it's like, don't, 
don't do that. Don't make it even further so that people don't trust victims of sexual assault. I know. Riverdale, we don't need this right now. We don't need this right now, okay? I know. That was some real Riverdale shit. So now, of course, yeah, Betty and Jughead are like, oh, this lying bitch. Let's find out why she's lying. And of course, again, she is lying uh, because of course she is because that's the whole thing we've been set up for. Uh, and, and that's, but that's basically, we don't get any more resolution than that. We just see Betty and Jughead are like, oh, how are we going to stay warm the rest of the weekend? And then they start going at it. And then we see a little blinking light in the corner. And I, I thought it was maybe a message on a voicemail, but I think a camcorder is a much more exciting idea. How did they not see that camcorder? I, maybe I am just a very, uh, paranoid person. But you can see the blinking light. It is, I'm pretty sure it's just a camcorder on a desk that is pointed at them to record them taping. So maybe this is a way to blackmail Jughead and that they obviously, that they put it in their room to say, oh, there was a girl in here. Oh, he shouldn't be doing these things. Or is it something bigger than that? Well, the blackmail thing is good because that was something that we forgot, which is that one thing that they uh, that Betty and Jughead and their the ever uh, investigative team figured out is that uh, they probably their theory is that Mr. Chipping killed himself because in order to get into Quill and Skull, you have to reveal your deepest, darkest secrets. And then everybody in Quill and Skull has your deepest, darkest secret to use to blackmail you. And so Mm. it would make sense if the Quill and Skull people were like, let's get something deep and dark to blackmail uh, these kids about. And honestly, I wouldn't expect it to be a sex tape. I wouldn't expect it to be any of the other things that they actually have that are deep, dark secrets, like the various murders they've covered. That are very scary. There's so many, yeah. <laughs> there's so many other things. Honestly, at this time, at this point, a sex scandal is kind of like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> scary. Um, do you know how many people Betty has killed? Or she also has murder vision. So don't, don't fucking cross her, man. She's got the serial killer genes. <laughs> I was upset that there was no Charles this episode. I was very excited about Charles, but I think that Riverdale now realizes, like last week's episode, with where there was no Cheryl and Titi, there's only so much time. <laughs> you know, there's only so much they can do every episode. So that's what ended up happening. But also, we didn't even talk about the fact that Brett and Donna wrote the fake suicide note. For Mr. Chipping? Yeah, from Mr. Chipping, which, really fucking weird, said it was a writing exercise, unless they had used that for when he dropped it, to place the camcorder in the room so that when they went to go pick it up and read the suicide note, so it could have been that. Could have been fake. Oh, okay, interesting. So we'll see how it goes with that, but again, would watch that tape. Even from up on top of a bunk bed, I definitely would watch it because remember what they did with Moose. They scared Moose away with his using his his daddy Gargoyle King, not Gargoyle King, against him. And then they called him (laughs) Gargoyle Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you guys. You know what? Fuck you guys. Maybe he is a gargoyle boy, okay? That's cool. He's made out of stone. You cannot break him. And we we need to now what did what else do we need the, to talk about? The parents. About? Oh, we need to talk about the the parents. We need to talk about the parents because ba 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 they all have like the Phallus and Hiram and Hermione have they all have which also did you notice that they were drinking rum? They were drinking Hermosa's rum uh-huh. in Laban Nui. They all get slammered, kind of, except for FP. And Hiram calls him out on it. 
I was like, oh, what, you're not going to get hammered? So this all starts, too. Now, Hiram is the mayor, and apparently he being mayor means you can do whatever you want. I didn't know that. I didn't know it meant that he has complete carte blanche of doing any illicit activity that he wants, similar to the way that, that FP was originally using his role as sheriff, and then he became a real sheriff. But now he's going up against Kingpin Hiram that is trying to get him to do things. But you know what, Molly? <laughs> Serpent never sheds its skin. Serpent <laughs> never sheds its skin. We have gang leader FP coming back. And thank God, because you know what? I want to have sex with him in that sheriff's costume. But I more so want to have sex with him when he is a gang leader. I My favorite line of this season, for sure, maybe all of Riverdale, or my favorite scene, is the scene that happens at the end of this episode where he's like, oh, I don't want to do Hiram's bidding. And honestly, one of the more honest things about Riverdale is that people in power just have are immediately corrupt and have absolute power. Like the mm. mayor, absolute power. Sheriff, absolute corrupt power. So I appreciate that. But he's like, I, I, I became the sheriff to be a good guy. No, you didn't. You were appointed sheriff by Hermione in a, in a fucking murder cover-up so don't pretend you got into this for noble causes you didn't but uh he's like oh i I got into this to be a good cop not to do Hiram's bidding and then alice is like well who says you can't be a gang leader and the sheriff at the same time and and fb is like brilliant and that was definitely my favorite moments of riverdale i I am it's about time he becomes a more corrupt sheriff again he's already you're corrupt from the roots of getting there you may as well be a gang leader at the same time but then you do he needs to take the helm of now he needs to make a hybrid of his i think what they're essentially doing is hybriding fp and fred andrews characters together now it is a fusion of he's a good guy that's looking out for the community and looking out for the boys, uh-huh. but also is a man of the law that can actually enact change and get things done. So I'm excited to see what kind of bad boy, bad boy things he does with his new found corrupt power oh yeah it's gonna be great is he gonna switch is he gonna like put on the leather jacket over his sheriff's outfit is he gonna switch costumes like a superhero oh i just imagine him just getting so upset that he like hulk busts out of his shirt and then just like and then just like goes in on like the sweat covered serpent tattoo you know what i mean Maybe that's just that's, <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> I I just I'm in love with him. I'm in love with him. I'm absolutely I don't know what to do with myself. I'm squirmy. He's definitely you know? I mean just just head and shoulders hottest guy on the show above everybody else. Uh, maybe Alice Cooper is the next person. Yes, for sure. But I uh, but again. I haven't stopped thinking about last week's sex scene between Hermione and Hiram. I'll, I'll uh-huh. give them that. <laughs> it is giving me brain fodder. And um, I think that we've gone through all of the ridiculous plot lines. Hermosa's back in Miami now, so we don't really need to talk about that. Bitch fucking Veronica just threw the things. Can you imagine? <laughs> Going, no matter how corrupt and bad your parents are, 
going into their Thanksgiving dinner and taking it and throwing the entire dinner on the floor because you don't get to spend time with your boyfriend on Thanksgiving. I think I'd get beaten to death. <laughs> I, I, I found it somewhat satisfying only because Veronica never actually stands up to her family. And not that throwing a bunch of food on the floor in an extremely wasteful act is standing up to her family, but it kind of was. And so I, usually she's just like, Daddy, and then she leaves or stays. And so I, I did, she, at least she did something was how I felt. She did do something, but I, I, I mean, I imagine... Hermione did not make that meal. Just throw it out there. I'm going to assume she didn't make that meal. But if I had made that whole meal and someone throws it on the floor, I think I'd have to be um, institutionalized. I would go that <laughs> mad. Like, I would I would flip out that hard. Just like, <laughs> that they'd have to cart me away and strap me to a bed. But you know what? Doesn't that sound nice? Doesn't that sound nice, Molly? That sounds relaxing. Please strap me to a bed. <laughs> Please give me no life decisions anymore. I think that sounds great. And I think that that's, that calls over this week's Riverdale Roundup. I, uh, I'm i excited. We have this week off. There's no Thanksgiving episode. Obviously, we did Thanksgiving early on Riverdale. And um, we'll be back next week, though, because we've got another Riverdale episode. Yeah. I don't know where these are going to go. I'm really excited to see whatever holiday tricks and treats they have in store because Christmas time at Riverdale is never easy. Oh my God, we're about to enter holiday season on Riverdale. Hell yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. What's going to happen with the doll? What's going to happen for Christmas time? And I can't wait to see Bad Boy FB come back. Thank God. Oh, thank God. <laughs> if you're horny, say hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys so much. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you celebrate. If not, you know what? Just have a great fucking week. What does it matter? <laughs> Just have a smile. We love you, and we will be back next week. And my name is Jackie. We don't do that on the show. <laughs> I don't think so. My, but my name is Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you, Jackie. Thank you. <laughs> nice to meet you too, Molly, I presume. My name is Molly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you. Bye, guys. Bye. I'm this show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.